Hey, and welcome to the Free Chapel Podcast. Let's get into this week's message from Pastor Jensen Franklin. I have something today that God dealt with me very, very strongly about. And I want to go to Job, the 23rd chapter, the book of Job, the 23rd chapter, and verse 8. Job says, I look and I go forward, but he, speaking of God, he is not there and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. And when he turns and I turn and go right, I can't, I can't see him then. Verse 10, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Powerful, powerful words. It's obvious that Job is in a time in his life where he's saying, God, where are you? That's what I'm preaching on. Where's God? He's saying, God, where are you? He's saying, I'm searching, I'm looking, I'm going forward, backwards, left and right, and I cannot find, perceive, or see you at all. You seem unconcerned, absent, and silent when I need you the most. He had lost his family, his children, He had lost his wealth. He had lost his health. He had lost his friends. He had lost everything good in his life. And now in chapter 23, he's lost his God. He's lost his God. I mean, that's when you really hit the place about as low as you can go when you can't find, you you feel like you're God abandoned, the absence of God. It's unexplained. He's not there. God, where are you? Listen to his description. He said, behold, I go forward, but he is not there. In other words, he's saying, you know, I didn't turn back when I got in hard times. I didn't quit. I kept going forward. I'm hurting. I don't understand. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not a quitter. I didn't abandon my faith. I haven't given up. I'm moving forward, but he's being honest and he's saying, I went forward. I'm waiting. Everybody told me, you know, hold on. God's coming. And and he said, I'm going forward and I don't see him anywhere out there. And I haven't quit. I haven't given up. I'm still moving in the right direction. But he said, I don't see God. He said, I I just don't see him. I, I just keep going through it. And then the second thing he says is I went backward. I thought that was an interesting way to describe it. He kind of thought, well, maybe there's something in my past that can explain why I'm here. Maybe there's something in my, he almost like Job lays down on the psychiatrist's couch and he says, take me back to my childhood. Take me back to my teenage years. What happened? How did I end up here? What series of events? What did I do that that made me end up in this place. He's going backwards. He's he's saying, is there anything in my past? Is there anything back there? Is there anything in my birth or my uh, heredity? You know, is there anything in my genes or what, how in the world he goes back and he can't find any peace and any answers. He goes forward. He doesn't see much hope. He doesn't see any change. I'm still trying. Then he, then he really takes a turn. He said, I went left. Did you see that? 
He said, I turned left. In other words, I'm going way out in left field. He got aggravated now and he said, I, you know, like some people do, I, I'm, I'm going out in left field. I'm just leaving. It ain't working. That ain't working. Prayer's not working. God's not working. Church is not working anymore for me. Faith isn't working. I'm going in left field. I'm going to try Eastern. I'm, I'm preaching it my way. It's my sermon. Preach like I want. I'm, I'm going to try Eastern religion. I'm going to try Buddha. Buddha, 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 Buddha. I, I'm going to try Muhammad. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try spiritualism. I'm going to try nature. I'm going to try. I'm not going to church. I'm going in left field. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to try something. My friend did yoga, and, and, and that's their new religion. They're getting into this, and they're getting into that. Or it, or it may have even been, I, I, I'm going to get way out in left field. I'm going to try I'm going to try witchcraft or I'm going to try spiritual, the spiritual world of chanting and burning incense to gods and all kinds of religions. But you know what? He didn't find anything out there. And then he said, I, at lastly, I turned back right. I turned back right. He said, I went, I went on the left hand and he wasn't there. I went before me, behind me, and then I turned right on the right hand. You know, you can't ever go wrong if you go right. You keep, you know, you keep doing the right thing and nothing right is happening. You keep saying the right thing and you still aren't getting the breakthrough. You, you keep going to church and, and doing everything you're supposed to do and trying to read the Bible, but it's like it don't really, it's not, I'm doing the right. I, I went right, but right ain't, right is wrong. Nothing's right. Y'all act like y'all don't know what I'm preaching about, but I know what I'm preaching about. This is right in the Bible. But I love what he said at the end of it, the conclusion of it all. His conclusion is, I don't know where I am anymore. I don't know what's going on anymore. But he said, I don't know where he is, but he knows where I am for he knows the path that I take. Did you hear that verse? He knows where I am even when I don't know where he is and I can't perceive him and I can't. He knows my name. He knows my the number of hairs on my head. He knows my fingerprint. He knows everything about the path that I am on. And then he ends with a powerful faith confession. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. Romans 11 in verse 34 said, Who has known the mind of God? Who can understand it? There are many things that will happen in this life to you that we will never understand. And here's the mark of maturity. That when those things happen that you don't understand, the mark of maturity is when you do not sour on God because of the reverses of life. 
The mark of maturity is when things go backwards and things go haywire and things have no explanation and God is not there seemingly and you feel abandoned and you get no explanations. That is not the time to get bitter. That is not the time to get sour. But real faith stands up and says, I sure was praising you when everything was doing amazing and I have no intention of not praising you now that I'm going through something that there is no human explanation for. That's faith. I want to tell you about a man in the New Testament and a family that went through what I just described Job went through in the Old Testament. It's in the Bible, in the book of John, the 11th chapter. This family really loved the Lord. I mean, really. They knew him, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew him intimately. So much so that when he had time off, he went to their home. He ate at their table. You don't get as close I mean, you talk about the inside track. You talk about his clique. You talk about people on the inside of the circle. It was Martha and her servitude. It was Mary and her amazing love and devotion. And then there was Lazarus. Lazarus and Jesus were just good friends. It clicked. You know how it is with a real friend, an old friend. You don't even have to work at it. You don't care if they call you and you call them. It's when you see each other, it's just, it's just there. This is, the, this is exactly how the Bible paints the family because they were all family. Mary and Martha were sisters and Lazarus was their brother and they all lived in the same house Together, that's very common. Even to this day in the Middle East, they build stories and families. When you get married, you know, the, the, the family will move in this one family member and they just keep going up with them. That's, that's how they do it over there. And, and so they lived together and Jesus was there. They were close buddies. And now Lazarus gets sick. Something is wrong. His fever is burning. His breathing is erratic. He's even losing all of his strength. He's dying, and they knew he was dying, and they sent for Jesus. A runner goes and finds Jesus and says, your friend whom you love is sick, even unto death, and they need you. And Mary and Martha, you know, your friends, the ones that you're really close with, want you to hurry up and come heal him. And the Bible said that Jesus affirmed that, that he was aware and that he would be there. And the servant goes back and all the neighborhood, all the community knew that family has a real relationship with Jesus right there. And so we know Jesus is going to come and deliver them. And we're about to have a praise party in this city and in this community and in this neighborhood. Because when Jesus comes, Lazarus is going to be healed. And so they're waiting and they're waiting in one hour and they start asking that, that runner, you know, did, when, did he say he was coming? Yes, he's coming. Where is he? He's on the way. He's coming any minute now. A whole day goes by 
and he's sicker and sicker. He's breathing. He's got the death rattle in his throat. He's sick. Where is he? Where is he? He promised he would come. Where is he? Why is he not here? They start asking, what did he say? Did he say he was coming? He said he was coming. But Jesus did not show up for days. I want you to understand something. Sure he's coming. You sure he told you? I'm sure he told me. You know what? We smirk because we know the rest of the story. We know that he showed up and raised Lazarus from the dead. No big deal to us. But that family felt like God had failed them. Felt like God was not there. That God did not care. And the Bible said, listen to this, in the New Testament, that we are living epistles, learn and read of all men. There are people who will never read their Bible, but when you get in crisis and your family gets in crisis, they won't read that Bible, but they're reading you. They're watching you. They're watching what you do when you're in the lowest moments of life. They're reading you. They're watching you. And they're watching to see if you're going to be faithful and you're still going to believe when you're experiencing the absences of God. You're not getting a miracle. You're not getting out of it overnight. You're not seeing anything in, before you, behind you, to encourage you on the side. On, and even doing right isn't working. But then John 11 and verse 15, when Jesus arrives, they kind of are upset with him. And he says these words, and I am glad for your sake, I was not there when he was sick and dying. Well, wow, isn't that beautiful? Thank you, Jesus. I was glad for your sake that I was not there. The brother's sick. He stayed away deliberately for 48 hours until he dies. And when he gets there in the yard, he says, I'm glad I didn't come and give you the miracle that you were asking for. I want to give you a quick Three lessons from this story that you don't need to ever forget. He's dead, and I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. Number one, this story teaches us that God is still working when you think your situation is at its last sickening conclusion. They thought it was over. He's dead, he's buried, the funeral is over. There's nothing good to come of this. It's finished. It didn't happen. God didn't hear us. God didn't do what we expected him to do. I, I, I held on. I've, I came to the end of my rope. I tied a knot on the end of the rope and the knot gave way and I fail, and it's finished. But this story tells me that when you think it's over, God is still working. I'm preaching to somebody today, a lot of somebodies, who the enemy has told you it's way too late for any change good to ever come. You don't understand your case is different, but your case is not different. Learn something from this. God is still working. 
Number two, God's delays are always deliberate. John 11, verse 5 and 6, And when Jesus knew Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and when he heard, therefore, that, that, that he was sick, he abode two days in the same place. It says clearly, number one, he loved them. It says clearly, number two, to prove it, he stayed away and let them go through pain and sorrow and heartbreak and mental ag anguish like you could not believe. Weeping, grieving, crying, breakdown, grief, and Jesus did not get there and let them not go through that. And he loved them. Why was he late? Because all they could believe could come good of that was a healing. But he knew and saw beyond the healing. If Lazarus' suffering had been averted, then the tremendous miracle of the resurrection of Lazarus he would have been just another healing that Jesus did. But I'm standing in a pulpit thousands of years later and I'm preaching and telling the testimony of the, of the Lord who raised Lazarus from the dead. And the only reason is because if Jesus would have spared that family from mental anguish, they would have missed the greater joy of a resurrection that would touch the community, that would touch the nation, and that would touch the world and outlive their family with that testimony of all things that God was doing that they could not perceive or understand. God's delays are always deliberate because he's going to work a greater miracle than what you think you need. And you know what? If that's what we have to go through to get every one of us in heaven, if it absolutely requires us going through tears and suffering and yet not missing the thing that matters, which is our soul's name written in the Lamb's book of life, it's worth any and everything. You don't know the mind of God. Clap your hands and say amen. But oh, this is what touched me. I wish you'd just turn to somebody and say, he's working something greater for you. I know you've been a little discouraged. I know you've been a little down. I know you've turned backwards and forwards and tried to figure it out, but he's working something greater. The thing I've learned is he's still working. And when his delay comes, it's deliberate so he can do something greater than what I had in mind. Woo. You know, I think I'll resign from being God today and I'll just rejoice that, that his ways are not my ways. I do know this, the further you fall, the higher you bounce. 
So go on and laugh and let the whole community look at, at your family, Lazarus and all of them and how Jesus let you down. But the, but the further you fall, the higher you bounce back and somebody needs to hear, you wait till you bounce back. There's no telling how high. God will match the lowness of your fall to the highness of the glory that he takes you to. Everybody take a praise break at every campus and give God glory in the midst of it. You know, this is what touched me. I don't know how I missed this. I don't know how I had, I've, I've preached on this story for 30 years. How did I miss this part of the story? Third point, Jesus wept. He gets there, think about it. He knows that what he's doing is greater. It's going to be bigger than what they're even asking him to do. He allows them to go through mental anguish and they're screaming and they're crying. God failed us. God wasn't there. Where was God? Why didn't he do something? How could a good God allow this? Where are you? I'm not making fun of you. The reason I preach that is because that's me. Yeah, even preachers struggle. Even preachers go through times where you question everything. <laughs> oh, you, 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 you want a perfect preacher? This one ain't one. Look at him. My goodness. But you want a preacher who has a perfect Savior and whose way and, and that Savior's ways are right and that Savior's ways are working for the good and that Savior is faithful and that Savior loves us. I got to keep preaching, but I just feel like shouting. I just feel like shouting. I'm not trying to work you up. I'm not trying to pump you up. I'm just here to tell you today that God knows the path that you take. And Jesus wept. He knows that he's going to end up doing good but he weeps because the present plan for their lives, this family, the present plan for their lives is causing Mary and Martha heartache and sorrow. And even though he knows it's a setup, guys, y'all are acting crazy. I'm about to bless your sock. I'm about to do something that you cannot imagine. But he's so caring that he weeps. And he hurts when we hurt. He knows it's going to all work out according to his eternal plan. Read Ephesians 3 sometime. My goodness, all things are working toward the manifold wisdom of God that will cause even principalities and powers to marvel. The Bible says that according to the purpose of God, he's preordained everything. Read it. But we don't believe it, especially when we get in it. But we have that kind of God who knows eventually everything will be all right. But if we're hurting now, he's hurting too. If you're crying and brokenhearted now, he's right there with you. And those beautiful words, Jesus wept because his friends were struggling. We have not a high priest who cannot be touched 
with the feeling. That's the scripture. It's in Hebrews. We have not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. In other words, when we feel down and we feel touched, you'd, you'd think God be, would be aloof and God would be sitting so high that he would say, I don't know how that's going to work out and I don't even worry about it. But he can be touched. You know why? Because when he hung on the cross, he knows how that feels. And he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? And he say, and he hears some of you and understands how you feel when you say, God, what in the world is going on? Where are you? I, why, how could you forsake us? He doesn't get mad. He knows. And he says, I know because I've been there. God's moved by the things that cause us distress. Don't ever say God doesn't care. Jesus will. 2 Corinthians verses one, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3 and 4 speaks of the God of all comfort. And then it says this in the next part of the verse. Everybody say he's the God of comfort. Really, when you go through real tragedy and real heartbreak and real trials, nothing can give you comfort. Nothing, nothing. Jack Daniels can't give you comfort. A bag of weed can't give you comfort because when you come back down, it's going to be staring there only worse. You're going to feel even worse. You're going to have a hangover and you're going to, you, you, uh, come on. The God of all, who is he? Who is he? The God of all comfort. Next verse, hurry, hurry, hurry. Next verse, who comforts us. He's the God of all comfort, but he comforts us in our tribulation. Watch this. So that we will be able to comfort those who are in trouble. Listen, with the same comfort in which we ourselves are comforted by. God says, sometimes I'll let you go through stuff and I'll let you feel what it feels like and the God of all comfort will comfort you so that you will be, get introduced to other people who don't need to say, you know, somebody's going through something. They don't want somebody to walk in. Tell me how you would feel. You're going through the lowest, worst crisis of your life and in walks somebody and they, and they, and they say something like, I, I read in a book one time, versus... Verses, I know how you feel. I was in the same situation of hopelessness and despair. And the God of all comfort, he was the only place I could find comfort. He came and he comforted me. And now I'm going to comfort you with the comfort that he gave me. And by the way, he sent a Holy Spirit that he said in John 16 would be called the Comforter. And he'll abide with you forever. It's called the school of comfort. And sometimes you have to go through the school of pain to get the degree in, the, in, in, in comforting one another. Turn to somebody and say, I've been there. I understand. I know what you're going through. Let, let, let's, let's just say, let's just say you need a surgery. You need a, I mean, it's a critical procedure that you need done. And it's, it's life or death. Which doctor would you rather have? On this side, you have a young, handsome Dr. McDreamy. He's got beautiful, flowing, wavy black hair, jet blue eyes, or 
tall, dark, and handsome, whatever your thing is that you like, he's it. Muscles. He can't hardly put on his doctor coat because he's just... And he walks in, and when he walks by the nurses, they flip out of their sneakers. Just, oh, my God. The other guy, the other surgeon, the only problem is he's never performed that procedure. He, he did it on a cadaver, on an on, on old dead body somewhere, whatever. Is that what they're called? I don't know. But, but, but he, he, he read a textbook about it. Here's an old doctor. He's 69. He's missing the whole middle section of his hair. He's got his glasses on the tip of his nose. He's got budges and bifocals, and, and he walks in hunchback. The only difference, though, is he's performed that surgery 400 times successfully. Which one do you want? What, do you think that it's different in the army and in the ministry of the Lord? People don't need people who haven't been through anything. But when you can say, I've been there, I know how you feel. And I don't understand, but for some reason, God is letting us all go through things so that we can comfort others with the comfort God has comforted us with. The Apostle Paul put it like this. Y'all came too quick. Thanks, Bill. Just relax a minute. I need, I need five more minutes. It's 11.55 if you're on medication. 11.55. So just hold your horses. But just stay right there. You're good. I'll point in a minute. The Apostle Paul said something powerful. You know, the name of Jesus is not so much etched on us as it is plowed into us. When you really get it, the Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians 6, 17, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bear in my body the marks. The word, the word there means he branded me. It's the same word branded. God branded me when he called me. Do you know what a brand is like to be branded? Have you ever been on a farm? I've seen them do this. They get the cow, old Betsy. They put her in a little narrow pen, wooden pen. She can't go left, right, and she can't go forward. And then they take an old two by four and they shove it uh, behind her, her legs there so she can't back up. There's nowhere to go. And then they take an old hot iron off the fire and they brand her. And as they're, <laughs> when they push that and it's burning hair, it's burning hide. Old Betsy, her eyes get big. She starts bellowing. She, come on, I'm working hard up here. She, she, 
She's, she's yelling. She's hurting. And he's just pushing harder and harder, burning the, 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 who she belongs to is being burned into her so that when she's set free and she runs into the green pastures, everybody in the world will never have a question again about who that Betsy belongs to. And I don't know. You see, troubles will either make you bitter or they'll make you better. You'll either go through things and become miserable and angry and upset or you'll become someone who he burns and marks you. And so when you finally get through it, everybody who's watched you will know, I know one thing, I know who they belong to. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Feel the presence of God in this place today. We quote it all the time, but we seldom understand it. Romans 8. And we know N-O Jesus, no Jesus. You got a K-N-O-W Jesus. No peace, N-O peace. You got a K-N-O-W peace. No hope, N-O hope. You got a K-N-O-W hope. Just be seated a minute. Let me preach. I'm almost done. This is too important. I can't skip it. And we know This is what got me. I looked at it again this week. All things. All things. Highlight it. All things. All things. He could have said some things. He could have said some deaths. He could have said some tragedies. He could have said some people who die of COVID. He could have said some. He said, we know, we know, we know all things work together for the good to them that are called according to his purpose. Listen to this translation. To the ones who are continually loving God, we know absolutely that all things, listen, are actively conspiring together for the good since he has predetermined all will be conformed to Christ's image. He's using it to brand us, to mark us, to cause us to never be able to get away from the fact that we belong to him. And the Bible said all things fit together. It's like the parts of a puzzle. Some some months ago, Sharice got into puzzles and she started laying this big, massive puzzle out on the table. And she would put it together, piece, piece, piece. It would take her weeks to do these. She'd just do it when she had some time. And, and I got in right at the end when there were just maybe 40 pieces left. And I sat down. She said, do it with me one day. And so I sat down and, 
and, and, and I found a piece and she couldn't find it. And I was so proud of myself and, and I put it, she said, that's not the one. And, and I said, but it fits. She said, look, and, and, and I said, they make mistakes. You know, it doesn't have to be just, it, it really fits and it like, kind of lines up and it's the same color and stuff. It's gotta be the one we've looked at all these. It's not here. That's what we do. We pick up a piece of the puzzle and we isolate it and we say, this doesn't fit. This doesn't fit in our family. This doesn't fit in my life. How could God let this? This doesn't fit. When it does fit, we pick up one isolated piece and we say, God's not in it. God's not in it. There was a mistake here. All these other pieces, they fit but this doesn't fit. All things. The reason that it doesn't fit is because it's not all together. But when you take that one piece that doesn't fit and you build everything else, you know what you're going to find if it's the last piece. I couldn't find it anywhere else, but now that it's there, it fits. It's not all together yet. That's why it doesn't fit. When we all get to heaven on streets of gold and our families are there, then we'll be able to say it all fit. He used it for, if that hadn't happened somehow, the enemy thought, but God used it for our good. How many of you enjoy a good country biscuit? That's dangerous to talk about as it's 12.03 and I'm looking at Daniel's line of dens. Den of lines. Listen, can you imagine somebody so stupid as they go in in the morning, they got a hunger and craving for a country biscuit. They go in and get a sack of flour and open their mouth and pour the, pour the flour in and start choking and coughing out. And then they walk over and they get a hunk of butter and take a chunk of that by itself and get it all over their teeth and then they walk over and they get a spoonful of baking soda and take that down too and then get three glasses of buttermilk. Gulp, 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 gulp. You, ah, ah. you know why it's not good? Got to put it in the mixing bowl. And when you put it all in the mixing bowl and by the time you mix it up, it's when it gets together. It's not all together yet. You can stand up at every campus. I don't want anyone to leave or move. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China and his wife had a dream in a particular trying time of their life when they were going through something. Can you imagine they were the first missionaries to go to China? Today, there are millions and millions and millions in the underground church. It all goes back to one couple, Taylor Hudson and his wife and his family. But in this particular season, it was extremely difficult. Some of their best friends had turned on them. And on top of that, they had no support. The support had dried up, just trying to do what God had called their family to do. She was so discouraged. And she said that the Lord gave her a dream or a vision. And she said that she saw a path and there was no way off the path. It was so narrow. 
and she saw a swinging sword. And that sword was swinging and there was no way to walk through that entrance of that path without walking through that swinging sword. And she said, the Lord spoke to her in his voice and said, until you're willing to walk through the sword, nothing will happen. Until you're willing to walk through that swinging sword and still believe me, nothing will happen. When I read that this week, I wrote these words down. I know what God's called me and my house to do. And Lord, I wrote this down. I am willing to walk through the sword if that's what it takes to get everybody under the sound of my voice to heaven, whatever it takes, because Calvary was the sword that Jesus walked through. He prayed, not my will, but thine be done. And he walked with that old rugged cross. I could not believe it after the first service this morning. The the young lady may still be here from Orange County. She goes to our Orange County church and she's, she's, her family's from Taiwan and she's been attending our church and been there in the church in Orange County. This is what she told me this morning, right over here. Tears, she could not stop crying. She wanted a picture after we, she told me and I was teared up too. But when, but she said, pastor, she said, she said, when I gave my heart to Jesus, she said, there are so many idols, so many gods that my whole family for generations has worshiped. They cut me off. And she said, I have not spoken to one of my family members in Taiwan. They will not have any communication because I told them that I was following Jesus. And she said, I've not spoken to them for 10 years. And she was just weeping. And, 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 and the thought hit me, that's someone who saw the swinging sword and said, not my will, but thine be done. Whatever it costs me. I'm sorry, there are no cheap crosses. There's no way that you're gonna do what God's called you to do. And at some point in your life, it's gonna require you to walk through a swinging sword. And I don't have a martyr's complex and I'm not a negative preacher, but I'm gonna tell you something. If he tells you to do it, his grace is sufficient for you and his strength will be made perfect in your weakness. come through, I'll come through as pure gold. Lift your hands and shout. Lift your hands and declare he's good. Lift your hands and say though he slay me, yet will I trust whatever the cost. I gotta get my family to heaven. Anything but hell, Lord, anything but hell. That means whatever it takes, cut us loose. Let's walk through the sword this morning. Cut us loose, nothing's worth your soul. This is not a game. This will cost you something. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Die to your will on this side of the swinging 
sword. And when you walk through, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. Free Chapel can now be your home church no matter where you live with Free Chapel Online. Watch weekly messages from wherever you are with your family and friends, join online small groups, volunteer, and more. Plus, there's weekly content for youth and kids. Join today by downloading the Free Chapel app or head over to freechapel.org online. And a special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or on our website and app. God bless you and we'll see you next week.